Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm Gordon Glenister, and in this edition, we'll be looking at the impact of social media on political campaigns. And given that we're in the midst of a general election, I wanted to see what part influencers may play, and particularly to see what other countries may also be doing. So, for example, in Ottawa, Elections Canada actually scrapped a plan to use influencers, and they felt that the final 13 that were selected, being YouTubers, athletes and other celebrities, may have had historical views that could be partisan. And given an intrusive press, that may be counterproductive. However, in New Delhi, India, they've embraced influencers with something like 20 to 25% of the budgets being allocated towards influencer marketing. And according to Pashant Puri, who's the co-founder and chief exec of global digital firm AdLift, the focus is very much across the board and on all the platforms. They wanted to tap in also to the 450 million people online and gain as many new voters as they possibly could, particularly those voting for the first time. And closer to home, I wanted to get a view from two senior figures from the world of media. First of all, I asked the editor-in-chief of The Drum, Gordon Young, what he felt about the current election and whether influencers should be concerned about brand collaborations if they're supporting a political party. I suppose it depends on the influencer and the brand collaborations and what their influencers' views are. Uh, but yes, I think it probably would have an impact if they are generally very broad-based. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as soon as you go into politics, it will almost certainly polarise your audience. Uh, particularly in this day and age. Uh, so if you're either uh, you know, a Bexeter or a Remainer, for example, uh, you will almost certainly polarise your audience. And I think uh, brands will be aware of that if they want to you know, avoid the debate. But I also think the whole science is emerging because this, the big problem in analytics and you know, influencers is still what proportion of engagements are fraudulent. So, so the John published a poll uh, a ranking last week where we looked at the the top 10 brands who, who have been duped yeah. uh, and so number one was Fabrice for example I mean, over 50% of their social engagements turned out to be coming from bots and the second uh, placed ironically was Baby Einstein who are, was should obviously maybe rebrand as uh, Baby just had my candy taken away or something uh, because they two you know were wasting an awful lot of money on a uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, in this area, I think something like the top ten brands between them had wasted something sixty million dollars on Instagram alone. So, is it is it is it a, a you know a, you know an emerging uh, area? And are you doing a lot of the conclusions? You're not really sure what data the conclusions are based on, whether it's you know the you know the real data or it's maybe sort of the the bot stuff. So, I think the industry is obviously developing, and they're you know they're really working hard to deal with this problem, but we're not there yet. There still needs to be a lot more work to be done before we can be absolutely confident, you know, in the, in the detailed yeah. trends, you know, the, you, know, the, you know, these things are highlighting. There's absolutely no doubt that uh, social media has transformed campaigning, uh, but it's probably one of the old things. Every time there's a new innovation, you assume that it's ever 
come before is going to be completely redundant. There's almost certainly still a place for good old fashioned knocking on doors. Uh, because within each constituency, there'll be very sort of distinct local issues and local personalities. And sometimes the only really way to address that is to uh, knock on the doors. Uh, social is really good at aggregating uh, specialist opinions across very broad geographies. Uh, but the old technologies are still much better in focusing on, in the particular, mm. uh, issues of entirely defined democracies. So, for example, a, a, an election leaflet might be more effective in a village than addressing the concerns of that village through a broad-based Facebook campaign. So there's still a, there's, you know, there's still a role for everything. Uh, but the other interesting thing about it is uh, there's no doubt that social is reaching people who are not consuming traditional media. Uh, so there's there's a row, you know, recently or, or where the you know the Tory parties was editing some video which you know showed Keir Starmer uh, reacting to a question in a way he didn't actually react in reality. Now they've been called out for that over traditional media, but the chances are a lot of people who consume the original video won't view traditional media so the so that message will still stick and resonate a big proportion of that audience probably saw the you know the social media ad that have since seen that the you know that all of the other media rebutting it i think uh there'll be a very good turnout in this election because the i think the voters are maybe fatigued but i don't think they're ne- necessarily apathetic uh you know i think one group of people are very concerned about brexit uh, and will be highly motivated to take part. Others will be very worried about Scottish independence. Mm. Others will be very worried about, uh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, you know, either really wanting him to get in or not get in. So I think people uh, are probably very motivated. But the interesting thing about social media, it does, uh, you know, give a false impression about who's winning arguments. Because yeah. uh, I remember very clearly during the Scottish independence referendum a few years ago, that if you if you look at social media, you just really absolutely assume that the yes vote are going to win that campaign, and then it turns out that the people who then voted for Remain in that context uh, tend to be uh, maybe older or quieter and not uh, you know sort of so active in social media. So mm-hmm. it can sort of give a bit of a false impression. Extinction Rebellion have been absolutely brilliant at uh, raising uh, an emergency, if you like, on the agenda. You know, I think the, the problem for them is, uh, you know, is whether or not their sort of activities will start sort of uh, alienating. You know, a lot of people are target market. Yeah. I mean, it's all very well. You know, you know, there's a, you know, there's a crisis, but really, you know, you know, I just want to catch my bus or get my train or get to election poll mm. today. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the environmental, uh, you know, concern is a, is a is a much bigger issue, and uh, you know, inconvenience inconvenience me right now today is not going to resolve that. So, uh, mm. so it's interesting. But fake news has always been an issue. I mean, it's always existed. Uh, you know, I remember uh, when I was a young journalist reporting on the, the American Navy, were sort of uh, there was a big sort of campaign in Scotland to try and get the American uh, Navy to pull out the Holy Loch or to close their, you know, their base there. Mm. Uh, and that was getting a lot of traction. And then the sort of story emerged uh, that the American Navy were planning to, to pull out every. Uh, and suddenly the whole argument uh, went from we think they should leave to don't leave us because there's lots of jobs and that have a massive economic impact. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that at that point, and later did actually uh, turn out to be the case, but at that point in time, the American Navy had no intention of pulling out that story. It was basically uh, planted to try and uh, effectively get across the, you know, the other side of the argument. Like, uh, you know, you know, you know, we've, 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 we
mm-hmm. you know, built in this base. Do, are you sure you want us to leave? You know, saying you want us to go is one thing, but do, do you really want it to happen? Yeah. So, so I think fake news has always been, uh, you know, has always been a feature. Yeah. Another, the other problem with politics is that I, is something's very hard to get to the truth. I think any journalist who's, uh, you know, you know, interviewed, pop, you know, politicians is, you know, if you if you look at a, or you know an argument over a single stat uh, and you speak to two different people, you know, the, the, their interpretation of that, you know, information can be very different. So it's actually very hard to sort of pin down what the truth is. But the, but the other issue is also uh, fact checking forecasts. Is also very difficult, you know. So, 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 so there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of room for spin. Although, in saying that, there are extremes. Uh, you know, there are people who, you know, are, 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 who are obviously put outrageous claims out there, and that tends to be either the very sort of extreme fringes of either the left or right. You know, about sort of outlandish conspiracy theories, for example, uh, which which do do a lot of damage. So I suppose what I'm uh, definitely saying, uh, we always need a new language for fake news. There's some, there's some fake news which is, uh, is more like actually that you know, people have a different interpretation of the facts. And there's other types of fake news which are out and out lies and, the, and people putting it out there must know they're lying. So, there's all, so fake, fake news itself is quite a broad spectrum. Uh, Dominic Cummings is probably a you know, physical manifestation of a form of fake news. But I think having him as the sort of, uh, you know, the sort of the, you know, almost like a lightning conductor uh, to take the heat off other people is a deliberate strategy in its own right. So I think, you know, the, you know, he has been positioned as a bit of a bad cop designed to take a lot of the flack. But there, but there, but there's no doubt he's a, he's a, you know, you know, very clever and a, you know, very talented strategist. But I, I wouldn't say I, I don't think he's either a you know, a saint or an evil genius. He's probably somewhere in between. Where I do uh, respect uh, Dominic Cummings is I think he's very good at distilling complex messages into, you know, very simple lines and insights. And that, that's a, and that's a pure advertising skill. You it know, that, that's is. something that in the ad industry always look for. Can we actually get a really complex proposition and, and sum it up in a fast line in a poster? Mm. Uh, and I think, I, I think he's... He's brilliant in that because when you look at the, the the Brexit campaign in the face of it, actually, it's very basic, you know, and, and very obvious. You know, taking black control seems very obvious. Uh, behind that, there's been so much thought and, and thinking, and and uh, you know, so many different factions campaigning to actually come up with such a clear cut um, message is really good. And also uh, get Brexit done again. I think that is a very a sort of compelling message. And I think that's what people forget sometimes that the you know the practices have changed with social media, but the principles are actually exactly the same. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Now, fake news is an increasingly worrying trend that has disrupted our news media, and Gordon Young expressed his concerns on this matter. I also caught up with John Harrington, who's the editor of PR Week, uh, and he has a slightly different view on how influencers may work in an election. I mean, I think knocking on doors is largely a stunt now, isn't it? I mean, I, I, it just seems um, I can't see how many you need so many volunteers uh, to make that worthwhile compared to a kind of a well-honed social media campaign and indeed media relations campaign, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think when it comes to sort of brand collaborations, I just think, I, I think for the most part, it's not really going to cause that many problems. I think most sort of savvy influencers who work with brands um, are either largely apolitical 
um, or if they do have a sort of political um, focus, it would usually be based, I think, around sort of specific individual campaigns. So they might say, well, we think, you know, there should be more support for mental health or we should do more to help the environment. I mean, mm, good point. I, yeah. I think, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think you would get um, a sort of an influencer who does, you know, who, who models for a cosmetics company or, you know, plays games for, um, you know, as part of a collaboration. I couldn't really imagine them saying, you know, vote Labour or vote Conservative. I just, I, I don't think, even if they think that way, I, I think most of them will, most of these ones would be savvy enough to know that, you know, your sort of over party political leanings would sort of be kept to one side. I mean, clearly there are some people who um, express views, you know, political views or social views or whatever they are, um, who are influencers who put their foot in it um, and end up paying the price. Um, well, I'm just thinking. I don't, I don't, I'm, just, I'm just thinking they could share content, couldn't they? They could share posts or tweets and things, and inadvertently get involved um, without necessarily starting the debate. I think a lot of influencers like to see themselves as campaigners around things like mental health and the environment. So, um, you know, it might be that they end up liking something or agreeing with someone who is um, of a sort of party political leaning but yeah I, I don't think I don't think in the main it's it's something to be too concerned about for, for brands uh, I mean if they know the influence they should know the sort of things they do I mean my experience is you know people will campaign on, on things they're passionate about mm. um, but generally I think those things I've seen from influence are things that most people broadly agree on anyway I mean you know most people agree it's a good thing that we help the environment and support mental health. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's quite different to someone saying, um, I think um, we should freeze benefits for the disabled or something. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's kind of, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that sort of thing is commonplace in brand influencer activities, personally. I may mm. be wrong, yeah. but I haven't yeah. seen much of it. And, and, and so, um, you know, this, this current election that we're in, what do you, how do you think social media is going to play a part in the end result, well, I think it's. I think it has a huge impact. I mean, what I think what we're seeing is the main parties um, putting real emphasis on social media and their own channels, um, to the incredible frustration of a lot of um, mainstream um, uh, sort of traditional media. Um, you know, you've only seen that with the famous um, situation about uh, James Cleverly not not uh, the Tory chairman not turning up. In a, um, Sky uh, News. an interview and Sky News, yeah. Sky News, yeah, yeah. and being um, uh, castigated for it. But um, you know, you look at uh, I mean, the best example is going to be the, the doctored uh, video that the Conservatives put out about um, uh, Keir Starmer from an interview that Keir Starmer had the, um, from Labour. Yeah. I mean, that really is disgraceful. Um, I mean, we should uh, whoever's responsible for that should hang their head in shame. Um, but I think it's uh, sadly it's the sort of thing you're going to see. Um, frankly, parties don't want to be challenged. Um, they want to put their messages out, whether that's positive messages about their side or negative messages about the other side. Mm. Um, and the problem with traditional media is it gets in the way. You know, traditional media asks questions. Um, whereas if you can just put, put things out on your social channels to um, people who, who support you already, you can have a sort of a ready-made group of cheerleaders. Um, so this is why we're getting the frustration from quite a lot of the mainstream media 
and um, the public generally um, in many in many cases. And it's not just the Conservatives. Um, you know, you've got. Um, I remember there was a video I saw for uh, Momentum, a sort of Labour's campaign group. Um, mm. Where they were talking, uh, there was this guy explaining Labour's position on Brexit in 30 seconds, as he said, because one of the criticisms of Labour, of course, is that no one can understand where they stand on Brexit. So he does this, he explains it in five seconds. But I'm there looking at it thinking, well, there are so many questions from this. It's really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> like, and You can't ask this person questions because it's a 30-second um, video on, rather on. than someone being um, interviewed by a journalist saying, what's the position? And then say, okay, by that, do you mean this? By that, do you mean that? Mm. Um, mm. But I think if you don't think about it enough, you can just watch that video from Labour Momentum and just think, yeah, okay, I understand. Um, and for voters, so, I'm, I'm guessing it can be quite difficult to be able to to cut through that and understand. I mean, even even one statistic could be, you know, could be presented in a number of different ways, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's, it's ever been thus. But I think um, the problem is. If you've got um, if you've got the parties focusing on what happens on social media rather than going through the newspapers, going through broadcast media, uh, you just don't have the opportunity to scrutinise it. Mm. Um, so this this is this is the big difference, um, and it's worrying, I think, for democracy. Yeah, I guess you know the, they often say uh, the power's in the edit, particularly when it comes to video. Um, because uh, I mean, you were referring to the the um, the Keir Starmer one, and although they said that the whole video was actually available on their on the on the website, uh, it wasn't clear. Oh. You could easily you could easily uh, take a view of what you'd seen in front of you, couldn't you, and make a, a, yeah. a and make an informed judgment. Um, well, it's 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 it, it angers me actually. I mean, who, how many people go on the Conservative Party website? I mean. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, they can they can have that caveat that oh yeah, you can you can go and see it. We've 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 got it away in this place on our website. If you wanted to go and see that, but they know full well that people are just going to look at a sort of a twenty second video and then make their mind up. Mm. Um, it's very very cynical. Mm. I guess as well. The other issue, of course, is that people are uh, sharing sharing those videos without realizing. And then there was there was a number of people that commented afterwards and said, "You do realize that wasn't the whole video that was shown." And by that time, of course, it was already done. It was all, it was already out. Uh, yeah. And uh, therefore, so I guess the next question for me would be to, you know, what, what's your perspective about the whole area of fake news, which, of course, somewhat has dogged the American election um, before and wondered whether or not, you know, we're likely to see that in this election? Well, I think we already are. I mean, I think the difficulty is, um, there's real opportunities for proper uh, dirty tricks and astroturfing campaigns here. Um, there's a real opportunity because a lot of the time we don't know who the people are sharing these videos. And some of the stuff comes from official party headquarters and party channels. But there's, it's really, it, it's, you know, it's, it's really scary that you can... There's, for example, there was, um, um, there was a story that was doing around about... Uh, Joe Swinson, Liberal Democrat leader, and her um, husband getting uh, a lot of money from the EU for some of the activities he was doing. Um, 
that was just it was spread really quickly and then you know the argument was this is why she's so in favor of staying in the eu um it turns out it was it was almost entirely untrue um this person was part of an organization that the organization was getting a much much smaller amount um and that went back to the things that it was doing um and it was it was a real kind of um example of the, the dirty tricks that that's happening and you know it happened in the states there was all the fake pizza um assault conspiracy theories around um that was spread around um hillary clinton that were just you know utter nonsense mm. and we're seeing we're going to see similar things here i mean i think it's only just the start i mean i think we're going to start to get some very strange things happening i mean you know i, I also think it's changing the way um uh politicians are handling traditional media interviews because i think if they can get the word out that you know a certain very very strong line even if that line is questioned even if that line is completely untrue then i think they have the means to spread that line and then people will go with that line it's like the ridiculous situation where there's a conservative politician who's um i can't remember his name but um uh, he's been questioned about comparing corbyn to stalin and then it's been questioned. Um, I think it was it was Andrew Neil, wasn't it? Um, who was talking about, yeah. um, you know, do you think? He was asking the question, do you think that um, Stalin wants to have millionaires or billionaires shot? And then this politician would say, well, you'd have to ask him. I mean, what a ridiculous thing to say! <laughs> I can't believe that these people could say these things with straight faces. You know, this is a sort of serious, sensible mm. politician saying these things, mm. supposedly. Mm. Um, but, you know, then you can just get the word out. People talk about it and people link Corbyn and Stalin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got, you've got nonsense like that. And I think that's just the way things are now. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, it's disgraceful. But I think that's, that's the world we're in. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about um, the importance of people be behind the camera, uh, people like Dominic Cummings and, and what, what part do you think they play behind the scenes at affecting, uh, you know, social media strategy. Well, I mean, um, I only know what I what I read and what I hear from from people. Um, that you know, people who you mentioned do have a, a very um, big part to play in these things. Um, I mean, other other people would know more, uh, much more than I. Um, but I do think there's been a, a shift of strategy, um, and I think this is why you're seeing a lot of main street middle of the road politicians that have um, been MPs for many years just kicking it in I think they're sort of seeing how toxic this approach is um, and thinking mm. you know it's had enough of it mm. Mm. yeah they don't want to, don't want anything to do with it yeah which which is a shame I mean um, because actually there are there are a number of MPs I know some myself who who work diligently for their community, but have had, um, you know, when it comes down to sort of death threats and, you know, very unsavoury uh, emails, it can it can affect you personally. And of course, when you think about panic alarms that they've got to have within their uh, own homes, uh, this is not good uh, state that we're in. You know, we want politicians. I mean, I think a lot of it has been driven by the, the Brexit debate. To be fair, but. Uh, I think uh, generally we, we want we want our politicians to stand up for us and, and mean something, um, but mm. of course the the world of social media means that they that uh, you know nothing is almost off limits. 
and 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 you know where does a, an MP have a private Instagram account, a private Twitter account um, that they might want to show their friends and family? Well, yeah, I mean, I think um, it feels like the sort of the, the relative naivety of social media is um, those days are behind us. I think, and you know, look at a lot of the what's been uncovered about um, Cambridge Analytica uh, mm. and so on around Trump and Brexit. I think people are very much of the mindset that um, this is a very powerful weapon and it's really the main focus of, uh, of, of campaigning now. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. So that's it for another edition of Influence. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to our other episodes. And as always, we welcome your feedback. So from me, Gordon Glenister, goodbye. Goodbye.